Traveling the Vortex We've joined Doom as she ends her day at episode 566 in the first rule of Mother Club as we do not talk about Mother Club. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. In front of other people. We just don't talk about it. <laughs> I'm it doesn't glad matter if it's in front of other people or not. She specifically said in front of other people. <laughs> yeah, this is so they didn't get in trouble. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> How are you guys doing? Pretty tired. Same. Me too. This is going to be a really energetic show. podcast, isn't it? <laughs> oh, we'll, we'll, we'll force the energy through. <laughs> Did you guys but do anything this, tired. watch anything this week? Uh, I guess not. It's going to be a short show. I was trying to think what we, uh, well, we started Loki. I think we talked about that last time. Mm-hmm. Um, have you guys watched the, the, the Disney short? Once Upon a Studio? I have not. Is that on Disney Plus? It is on Disney Plus. Okay. And it is amazing. It is so good. Um, basically, it's just kind of a roll call of 100 years of animation and, and 500 some odd characters show up. Mm. <laughs> I saw a clip, and I think, on TikTok. It's so well done. Peaked Gave my me the feels. Nothing else? Nobody watched anything else? Read anything else? I'm, I'm working my way through... Uh, I finally started season four of Stranger Things. I never did. Oh, wow. I'm five episodes into that. And enjoying it. It's been good. I thought it was a good season. I'm just not done with it yet, so I don't want to talk about it too much. Mm, right, you know? right. Reserving judgment. Well, you're, you're inching the, closer to the um, feature-length episodes. <laughs> Well, and these oh, these ones have been an hour and fifteen anyway. Yeah, so. well, they there's I think isn't there one that's like almost two hours or a little over two hours, and there's one that's actually almost almost two hours. Yeah, because I think the last two of the season they did that break. Yeah, and they're, they're long. Yeah, they are. and I haven't finished the book I'm reading, so <laughs> <laughs> almost I'm getting there on that one too. So. Yeah, the, the only thing I did was I started an audio, but I'm go- hoping to have it as a uh, something new two-minute review for next week, so I won't talk about it. Hello, fellow time travelers, and welcome to the Doctor Who Target Book Club podcast, the only podcast to discuss, in story order, all the Doctor Who novelizations. My name is Tony Whit, and every two weeks or so, I'm joined by a two- to three-person discussion panel, including our so-called expert who's been a Who fan since 1979. That would be me. We also get the views of intermediate, casual, and novice fans who either have never seen the show or who have never read these books until these podcasts, including... Dalton Hughes. And... Alison Fitzsafried. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you find good podcasts, or even ones like ours. You're listening to Traveling the Vortex, a Direction Point podcast. We are going on a journey, a very long journey, through the world of the target novelizations and publication order, 
Every week, we are looking at a new book, talking about Terrence Dix, Malcolm Hulk, and all our Doctor Who novelization friends. Whatever you do, keep turning the pages. This is Jason Miller of the Doctor Who Literature Podcast, a member of the Direction Point Podcast Network, and you are listening to Traveling the Vortex, a Direction Point Podcast. Well, let's move on to news. Quite a bit well, of they, news. Yeah, quite a bit of news. They have uh, unveiled the new theme tune at the Doctor Who at 60, a musical celebration. David. And not only the new theme tune, the 15th Doctor theme as well. Yeah, did either of you guys get a chance to listen to them? I did. So the new theme tune got me excited, but it's very similar to Murray Gold's <laughs> themes anyway. So it was, it, it has some different nods to it and, you know, different parts to it. But it was pretty much, I don't know, wasn't I wasn't wowed by it. It was pretty much the same. Um, I did like for the, me. It didn't. It didn't come across like it was a Doctor Who theme until it was well into it. The well, that's true. The, the beginning does. The, 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 didn't seem to be there. Uh, it's, I enjoyed it, but I enjoyed it at the same level I enjoyed the previous Murray Gold. So, like, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of what we talked about when they announced he was coming back. It was like, well, we know what we're in for. Right. Right. You know. Now, does anybody know, or have they said, is Murray Gold back? For the duration until further notice, or is he only coming back for the specials? No, he's well specified, but I think it's under the assumption he's around as long as RTD is. I think he's back for the at least. I think he's been writing for. uh, He obviously wrote the series. Well, yeah, I guess if he wrote the fifteenth Doctor (laughs) theme, that maybe answered my question, which I didn't get to listen to that one. What are we on now? Uh, Series fifteen, fourteen, series fourteen and fifteen. It sounds like so. Yeah, I mean, uh, it was it was good, but more of the same. <laughs> Glenn, what did you think of the fifteenth Doctor thing? Uh, that I really liked. I was I was very pleased with that. It's 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 a different different sound, which and it should be. I mean, each Doctor kind of has a unique theme of their own, and so um, I thought this one was a well fit and and was really nice. Yeah, I agree. It, it, it kind of it still has that Murray Goldness to it, and kind of has a shades of the, I thought the eleventh Doctor's theme to it. A little but bit. I love the love Doctor's theme so much that uh, <laughs> if I hear shades of that, that, you know, I could be putting that on there too. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. No, I can see where you where you kind of got that from. In other news, uh, RTD has said that the specials will not air on the actual 60th anniversary, but there will be something special that day. Yeah, I saw the uh, article that actually saw the article on Doctor Who TV dot uh, co dot UK that had the kind of the breakdown of Russell's article. But I actually went and read um, Russell's segment in the um, Doctor Who magazine, this most recent one, and it, it, he says dates. There's some dates to look. You know, besides those, there's some dates to look out for: November first, November seventeenth, and November twenty third. And everybody got all excited, and I kind of realized that, well, November 1st is when they're going to release the entire, well, minus one, catalog (laughs) of Doctor Who on BBC iPlayer. And November 17th is Children in Need, so they've probably done something for Children in Need. And then November 23rd is the anniversary day. So I have a feeling that 
that November 17th is going to be a little short that they must have shot, which he they've talked about recently. I think even in that article, he talked about kind of getting back together, or maybe that was just a rumor mill that they got a bunch of people together more recently and shot something special for the, another little mini episode for the, um, anniversary. So I wonder if we get that either for the children in need, or that's what we get on the 23rd. Mm -hmm. Be interesting to tell, but I think Sean, he was, uh, Sean, you had brought up that it, it sounds like that the specials are probably going to be on those Saturday dates throughout the month, which were what the 11th, uh 18th and the 23rd or no 20 yeah 23rd no 25th 25th yeah 25th yeah and i think that makes sense they're going to want to push it to saturdays to make it a big event television as opposed to midweek television yeah absolutely yeah we just got uh, lucky that the 50th was on a saturday yeah that's true um in fact the 20th anniversary ran over Thanksgiving here as well, but it didn't drop on Thanksgiving. We actually think we saw it on the Saturday following, and we saw it in the U.S. The, the Brits are still mad at us over this, but we saw it in the U.S. before they even saw it on <laughs> BBC over there. So, But I think that would have been on the 25th as well. So it's, it's not a... It's not not been done yet. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But of course, in today's day and age, I don't know if stricking to Saturdays and plays as much of a role as it probably should. Maybe in the UK where they're getting more views based off of actual like live television as opposed to streaming. Like well, that's it does in the US now. That's true. And it'll, it'll be interesting to see how we, although they do have the ability to... Uh, they can live. release it whenever they want. Well, uh, <laughs> what I'm getting at is in the U.S., it's coming to Disney+. Mm. Plus. So is it a, it drops like Loki or Ahsoka, or is it a, the first airing runs live like they did with the Toy Story football thing, and then and then it's available there to rewatch, you know, whenever. And, and I don't know if, because for us, it'll be a matter of waiting for it to drop if that's... The, Excuse me, if that's the case, if they decide to do kind of the worldwide um, premiere like they did with the 50th, where everybody kind of saw it day and day at the same time, then they would have to use that live feature that clearly Disney Plus can do. Because, like I say, they did that Toy Story um, uh, football game stream that was live streamed. So they did the, um, the Elton John final concert that way as well oh did they okay so that's they've yeah it had a specific time oh okay well that that's probably how they'll do it then i don't know time will tell well, i guess we'll see that was the other thing Not about the longer. the next announcement that we were going to talk about was the the 60 years of doctor who on the bbc iplayer minus one yeah tell me more about the iplayer <laughs> well that's just it I, I thought oh that's exciting that that's coming november 1st if you're in the UK, but is it coming to Disney Plus that way too? Are we getting the entire catalog or is it just in the UK? I know that um, BritBox still has the episodes on it, so I don't know if the, the classic episodes, so I don't know if the classics are going to move over to 
um, Disney Plus as well, or they're going to stay at BritBox. If that's the case, then you have to have a BritBox, to, you know, subscription to at least in the U.S. to see them, unless you've got you know the DVDs like we do, and right. um, the um, new stuff will be on Disney Plus, obviously. And and is that going to be November first when the whole catalog drops? Who knows? I don't know. I they're leaving us really in the dark. I feel here in the U.S. as far as how things are going to be distributed here, but it's kind of weird. Yeah, it seems like they would want to hype it if they are going to drop it on Disney Plus too. Mm-hmm. It's also interesting that it looks like, um, well, it's not looks like it. The very first story, Unearthly Child, will not be a part of that. Yeah, sixty years of Doctor Who on the BBC iPlayer. <laughs> Have you guys been following that drama? I just read. I just saw the article about it today and read it. It's interesting. I got caught up today. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, li- the listeners that don't know, get a little. There's a guy named uh, Steph Colburn. His father's Anthony Colburn. Um, passed away back in the 1970s, and he's the one that wrote an earthly child. They call Tribe of Gum, I think, sometimes. And but that whole, you know, first set of of episodes that comprises of an earthly child. Anthony Colburn wrote it. Well, apparently, Steph Colburn has the rights to it because it was his father's. His father's passed away, so he controls the estate supposedly has told the BBC that he will not allow them to have broadcast rights for... Now, this is just for a BBC iPlayer. Early on in this, apparently, there was a lot of people that were worried that it was going to go away from Apple TV. Well, it's it's still... You can still buy the episodes on Apple TV. You can still buy the episodes on, on uh, mm. Amazon. You can... In fact, I think somebody checked BritBox, and it's still on BritBox. So I think what's happened is, um, then of course, there's not a lot. This is all kind of playing out in public opinion, but apparently it's it, it's just specific to the iPlayer stuff. Every time that the stuff that has intellectual rights tied to it to other people has to be renegotiated when it goes mm-hmm. to a new platform. So it sounds like right now iPlayer is the only thing affected by this. Um Right now. Right now. But he he did comment that as the rights came up on other platforms that he would be fighting BBC on them. Yeah. So there's some there's some talk, and again, this isn't set in stone either, that the rights have already been worked out for the Blu-ray. So hopefully that means <laughs> they won't have to admit it from the season one Blu-ray or Hartnell season one Blu-ray. I think they couldn't I, they, if they'd be stupid yeah. to admit it. So the other thing though, I think is this just reading the back and forth on this, this guy is just, he's doing it. He's it's a, it's a, he's being vindictive about it is what he's doing. He doesn't feel like his father was treated right. He's, he asked actually my understanding is that the BBC offered him $20,000 for the um uh rights to this for BBC iPlayer which is a lot of money. They can't he wants more, but they can't yeah. offer him more because there's some sort of union contracts that the cap on it is $20,000 and they've they they offered him the cap. They offered him everything they can within their contractual you know contractual yeah obligations. So He's just being obstinate now at this point, which is sad for fandom because this, you know, 60th anniversary year. You know what? Did you read any of the back and forth between Ian Levine 
and him <laughs> wasn't even so much the back and forth of them arguing so much as reading the comments that followed and how many people were saying, wow, I didn't think I'd ever say this, but I agree with Ian Levine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fandom has come full circle. Oh, so, yes. <laughs> There's a there's a twofold issue here at work. I think the, the the first and foremost is pay your writers. Okay, now uh, the, this guy didn't have anything to do with the episode. It was his dad, and his dad was a, a staff writer for the BBC, who happened to write an unearthly child. And for all of the historical import that an unearthly child has attached to it. And we've even talked about this, where it's amazing how much episode one is responsible for so much of the show to follow. And then episodes two, three, and four are just kind of a standard adventure. Yeah, they're not even that great. And wasn't he a large contributor to those two, three, and four, not even episode one well that's well, episode he, one gets significantly rewritten by someone that's, else that's the argument is that's the thing yeah Warris, in fact Warris hussein the the director of those has actually chimed in as well and said that a lot of that even the tribe of gum stuff a lot of that was heavily rewritten and i i don't think even coburn anthony coburn the, the dad was all that bothered by the fact that it was rewritten so much that it was rescripted and, and so rights to it so, yeah yes, and so right. unfortunately he's not here to be able to have any to say and if you if you dig into this steph coburn's back backstory the guy is nuts he's really crazy he's he's a racist homophobe i'll i'll jump right out and say that that he's just if you look at some of the stuff he has said on twitter but that aside, it's it's just I think he's I, I agree. Pay your writers. But yes, here's the thing. When that was written and reconstructed, the guy wasn't shorted anything. He got the money that he wrote for it and he got and he retained the rights to the stories. Everything was done across the board there. And, now, and you know, to be to be clear, part of where the perceived slight is that this writer, uh, Anthony submitted three other stories right to Dr. Who that, that were, never got made, never got permitted, mm-hmm. never got to, and you know, they were all turned down for various reasons. And so he pulled, uh, he severed his ties with the show. Yes. Yeah. And, and so that, you know, that's on him. Okay. Whatever. If you want to talk about, making some reparations for uh you know funds that you did not receive as a writer yes i'm all for that yeah i, I would want to back talk you 100 yep. you know you you, you were uh, contracted to do a job you should get paid for that job yes absolutely i'm 100 percent behind that if you want to talk about the fact that you had a greater role in shaping doctor who as it is today that is not being recognized 
Okay, maybe that's something we can have a conversation about. But that's something that, again, as you've pointed out, Warris Hussein and, and you know, all of the other people, I mean, you've got Sidney Newman, you've got Barry Lambert, there, there, this is, there are a lot of cooks in the kitchen that got this to where it is. Well, just, and as the so book we that, reviewed yeah, last week book we talked read. about how many people, yeah. I mean, exactly. there's even more. I mean, so it, it's not something that I think you can kind of latch down and claim is yours and as his 50th anniversary lawsuit you know trying to uh uh, uh claim that the bbc did not have the, the right tardis, to TARDIS <laughs> it's like you know come on dude you're, you're you're being very petty at this point it's not like you're victor pemberton and actually inv- invented the sonic screwdriver exactly although I, I don't think that wound up being in the script either that was an on-set thing wasn't it no no he i think no he, that one was that in the script, script yeah, i think it was in the remember. script and and he uh well, you know what? Now that you say that, Sean or uh, Keith, there, I do think you're right. I think we'd seen something more recent that said that it was a. It kind of they came up with it on the spot, and the creator that actually was the director, and I forget who directed that, but it was the director that actually came up with that because they needed a way to get the plate off of the um, pipe that he looks into, and they came up with that in order to make it quick and easy to get the screws out. So now that, now that I say that, I think that came to light just recently that it really wasn't even Pemberton, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. So, you know, that's the first part of this, but now when you factor in his comments about where, who is at currently, and how dissatisfied he personally is mm-hmm. with it, and how he thinks everything the BBC has done is just a, a you know, a shambles. And okay, so <laughs> <laughs> now you've, in my mind, you've moved very far away from having any kind of legal fight for more money or recognition and moved purely over here into the you're being bitter and spiteful and right. petty about it. And it, it really calms, it, it calls to mind the um, the guy that wrote Thunderball for mm-hmm. James Bond movies and then continued to remake Thunderball and try to sue MGM and the Broccoli's and, you know, everybody under the sun because he felt like he had rights to the character as opposed to just the script. And it's just, uh, go away. Yeah. Just, <laughs> just really go away at this point because... It is what it is. And what I foresee happening is, you know, they're going to ignore him for a while. We're going to get through the 60th. And then if it becomes an issue, somebody at Disney will open the purse springs and buy the guy off. I mean, I think that's what it's going to come down to is some hush money or something just to just to purchase the rights outstanding and say, okay, you're done. Go away now. Um. I agree that things will be worked out. I disagree that Disney would have anything to do with it. They don't have much at stake in this, at least that we know of right now. Well, I disagree. Seems like the BBC kind of has to just do a waiting game and go, okay, we'll wait. Yeah. Oh, the fervor over the 60th is done, and now not as many people are clamoring to watch the original first story. Okay, we'll give you 10000 for it now. Well, I think a lot of it will also depend on, on you know, these, in my mind, frivolous, but on these lawsuits. Because mm-hmm. if any one of them 
comes down in his favor, well, now there is a danger to the entire brand over what could be construed as his dad contributed to the legacy of Doctor Who. And so I think that, that, that that's something where there is, you know, an eye to be well, on it. I, I, I don't think you, he'll win. You're, you're right. It, it's it, it does become probably prob- prob- problematic at that point. But if you look back at that 2013 uh, attempted lawsuit on claiming right on the TARDIS, he he had to walk away from that because there was no judge that would agree with him on that. And so yeah. I have a feeling that that the same thing would happen here as well if he was if he was really going to. I mean, I think right now he's got con- the the best control he's got is keeping it off of whatever next platforms haven't been negotiated. That's the only yeah. thing. That's the only card he has, I think. Because I think so ultimately too. they do have to, and that's that's one of the things that I both admire and is frustrating about how the UK does their uh, intellectual IP. I absolutely love that the writers continue to have um, control over their IP this many years later. It just does what it does is when those IPs get passed on to estates or to kids. And there are a lot of kids that are very cooperative. And don't get me wrong. I'm not saying these kids don't deserve those same residuals and same stuff for what a parent did. But on the other hand, if you're just, that's your legacy is that somebody else did the work and you're getting paid for it. Then it's kind of a, eh, it's kind of a weird sticky situation there with me, but I, I, I both appreciate and am frustrated with because that kind of thing would hardly ever happen here. But then again, because that thing doesn't happen here, a lot of writers don't end up getting, they end get getting, getting the shaft here in, in the U S more so than they do probably overseas. So. Yeah. Well, you got to keep in mind too, that so much of this was done before. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a one and done at the time it was written. That was it. So right. of course they're going to say, "Go ahead and keep the rights to these characters because right. <laughs> we're not. If we want to like, use them again, we can. It's not like there's going to yeah. be. Yeah. Well, I mean, look at yeah, the. Well, it's not like they're ever going to re-air this. I mean, who in their right mind would watch TV more than once? <laughs> I look at the Terry Nation stuff. I mean, there was they had to. I think they finally think the BBC finally did a long-term thing for the rights for the Daleks with the uh, Terry Nation estate. And they've got that sealed up for a long time because they were smart. They know that's such a big part of Doctor Who. They had to do something with that. But yeah, yeah. Who knows? Time will tell. It just it it just puts a, a little bit of a damper there on that, especially on that first you know November first target date when everything goes to goes to iPlayer. There's going to be a the most significant piece. <laughs> it's going to be missing. <laughs> Yeah. Plus, plus the three episodes that follow. <laughs> the other interesting thing of that is there's going to be a website that's going to simultaneously launch, which is an online archive of the show's history with everything from interviews with cast to written documents, long unheard audio, and behind the scenes, behind the scenes photos. Together, they tell the story of the groundbreaking series through the sixty-year archi- through the sixty archive gems for the sixtieth anniversary. Even we'll have stuff with Sidney Newman and other documents that you can look at, all on this website on November first. Oh, that's cool. That is yeah. really cool. 
I'm looking forward to seeing that once it comes out, especially since we don't know if we'll have the full catalog here in the U.S. I have, on our DVD I have the full catalog sitting about two feet from me. <laughs> yeah, my PlayStation doesn't like DVDs anymore for some reason. Oh, no. So well, that's too bad. I have to look at getting something else. <laughs> This is Tim Trelaw. This is David J. Howe. I'm Peter Purvis. I am Sadie Miller. This is Lauren Cornelius. Larry, it's Fraser. For all things in the Doctor Who collecting world and beyond, the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast. I'm Larry Van Mersbergen, your host, and I've been collecting for 42 years. You're listening to Traveling the Vortex on the Direction Point Podcast Network. You were invited on an adventure across all of time and space, in a completely random order. It's the Police Box in the Junkyard podcast. Jump in the TARDIS with your hosts, Eric Goldbranson, Asad Khashki, and Matthew Kressel. Explore Doctor Who TV stories, audio adventures, and books, both novels and non-fiction. The Police Box in the Junkyard podcast. It's the entire Who-niverse. On Shuffle. The Police Box in the Junkyard podcast is a member of the Direction Point Network and is available about once a month wherever you find your podcasts. You are listening to Traveling the Vortex. Well, should we move on to our reviews? Oh, let's. Doomsday, Dying Hours. From Big Finish Productions, the worlds of Doctor Who, Doomsday. Dying hours. <sighs> Down and... Well, I won't say safe yet. Down and not immediately dead will do for now. So, what next, Terry? Tracking data upload into your scanner. Any intel on the target? No, you'll find out when you find them. Hold on to your heart! But Zephon... Yeah, I'm not sorry. So you're really the doctor? You? Yes. Yes, I'm the Doctor. Why wouldn't I be? Well, you don't act like him. Dem. Well, change brings change, doesn't it? Clearly, I'm a more proactive incarnation than you're used to, that's all. Blooming dangerous, more like. That too. <gasps> a silent. You've been here all along, haven't you? Watching me from the moment I arrived. Misdirecting us. You will obey. I will not. I obey. Human, what is your purpose on Zanthia? To kill Charlak. She's got pictures of the crowd. Some kind of list. Yeah, she saw my face among them and assumed I was a member. The Doctor's not a crowd member. He's made stopping them a personal mission. Doctor... Who is this fool? The name is Doom, and you have a very unfortunate mouth. Get out of my way, Doom. I really wouldn't pull that trigger if I were you. Yeah? Well, you're not me. Five, four, three, be good to each other, bye! Big finish for the love of stories. 
dawn of an everlasting peace. Venus, 3975, the day of the non-aggression pact. The perfect ironic location for an assassination, but Doom's mission is about to become much more complicated thanks to an explosive pot plot to undermine the treaty itself. We doing these one at a time. I figured we makes, would since they are standalone yeah. stories. Yeah, totally makes sense. Crickets, it was all right. Crickets on that one. <laughs> How long did it take you, Sean, to realize it was uh, Dalek's master plan, people? Uh, I kind of had an inkling of suspicion at the very beginning when they were talking about the solar system and the big four. Um, but then, or, or they, you know, the, this huge conference, this huge galactic uh, peace treaty and the big four. And then they immediately rattled off the representatives of four planets within our solar system. Hmm. And I was like, oh, well, that's kind of like, you know. Back, back, back in Dalek Master Plan, where we were the the, the bigwigs, um, and then they kept saying SSS, yeah, and it just lodged a little bit. My brain kept tickling on that, but I couldn't remember what the name of the space security force, you know, that the Terry Nation came up with was. Uh, and so it was probably well into the middle third of it before I finally put two and two together and came up with five and went, "Aha! I see what you did there." And those elements of it I liked. Doom, I, I, I didn't particularly care for in this one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> She's pretty, well, ruthless and then not ruthless enough at the same time. Right, exactly. exactly. Very, very inconsistent, I think. And, yeah. and I think that held with, in, in, in my humble opinion, I think this is a, not only this box set, but the Doom story overall really needed a script editor to to polish the the, the loose edges a little more than than what we got. Um, but I, I think Doom was very inconsistently written throughout this box set, and one minute she's almost vicious and it's like well okay she's an assassin but then she's got this good streak throughout her which is really evident in this one and you know i mean she's she's the heroine so we can't totally have a bloodthirsty killer i get it but man it seemed like she was jumping through an awful lot of hoops but then she would turn around and do something that was well, vicious, you know. Well, I okay, think that, that's I'm going to leave you here with these strangers. Thanks. Okay. That's what lends to the such, yeah. The, this starts off the unevenness, unevenness of just this box set. Um, because, yeah, you're, you're right. It, it, there's times where she's just very callous about things. And it's like, uh, you know, move on to the next thing. And then there's some times where she's very sympathetic and it's just, she falls in and out of it so much. I think, and I think we'll, after we've talked about the these two elements we're reviewing, I think we'll we'll talk about the Doom series as a whole here at the end. But I will say that I think this is one of the things that was a detriment to this is I think that Doom needed to grow as a character from the beginning to the end, and unfortunately, it doesn't feel like that happens. It's just a series of stories where Doom shows up, even yeah. though there's this ongoing story arc, and so. 
I'm I like I'm like you. I like the fact that it had the delegates from the um, gla- or, uh, yeah, uh, ballot master plan. Yes, and then um, and, and I didn't pick up right away on it, but I, as as I started thinking about it and they started talking more about it, I thought, oh, okay, this is where they've gone with this. This is actually that peace conference that we're talking about that sets this up. And then, of course, yeah, uh, when she they started saying SSS uh, Space Security Service, I was like, oh well, that's the uh, that's the group that. Uh, Brett Vion and uh, Sarah Kingdon were part of. And, uh, of course, when I listened to Jackie, Jacqueline Rayner talk about it in the interviews, and she said, <laughs> the bonus features, this, yeah. this, hadn't, this hadn't been done before. And I was like, well, kind of had. I mean, Big Finish even did. They didn't use the delegates, but they did use the SSS. They haven't used them much, but they did have that Defenders uh, oh, set yeah. that they, were, they did based on uh, Terry Nation's um, unaired pilot in the u.s so we, we've had the sss before we've had sarah kingdom uh in relation to this sss before too so it has been done but i i i appreciated the fact that she did find a little nugget that she could go into and and i think she sounds like she'll maybe try to revisit kind of these this era and the SSS. Yeah, it sounds like she's got well, at least one more coming yeah so and I certainly hope so, because again, those were the parts that I really liked. It didn't it didn't crystallize for me until they went and did the flashback and were describing uh, how Dad died, right? With the yeah, he um, just basically just aged to right. death, and I went, "Aha! Yep, <laughs> <laughs> I'm disruptor. Got it." Yeah, I think the other thing that took me out of this was I, I the concept of this old man or well this this toddler in an old man's body. I thought was intriguing. I just don't think they pulled it off so well. I think no, that they didn't. he was, if you know a three-year-old, this guy was not. No, this guy was a two-year-old. Yeah. And, and it this, just, was a, this was a person who, a kid who could barely, and not all three-year-olds can talk very no, but, well. But, but, but they have a little more wherewithal than this guy did. Yes. At that stage in in life having a three-year-old son i know this yeah and so <laughs> and of course was, even even through the course of the three years so far right. know, of year three it's grown and i can kind of rationalize that it, maybe this kid is early in the three year but it still seems like he should have played it a little further along yeah than agreed. what he really did agreed so th- so that took me on the story and then it it did have I thought the the right balance of comedy and um, sadness or, or 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 emotion as well. I didn't get as emotional as the actors that <laughs> talked about how emotional it made them in the end. I didn't think it was all that great, but um, you know, I, I her getting to see her husband again the way he was, you know, before the incident, and the the boy getting to have some, you know, closure and say goodbye. I, I suppose that was okay, but it was just, eh, okay. <laughs> didn't, but, didn't really tug at any heartstrings for me. If she had the updated hollow suit that we see in the next story, right. that would have had a much bigger impact right. because it would have actually had the husband's voice. Right. But because it was still Doom's voice, I the whole time in my head I was thinking, well, why isn't this kid saying, you look like that, but you don't sound, sound like, like that. Him. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, come on, it's that that should have been thought through a little a bit. A three-year-old, a two-year-old, you might have duped. A three-year-old was not gonna, you know. It, 
even a two-year-old, I think they would look at somebody, even though they would looks like somebody, and still would see, hear, yeah. recognize that it's not their voice. That's probably true. You sound, at least the very least, uh, you sound funny. Right. Yeah. Comment would have made it a little bit easier to swallow, which it, ruined the emotional impact of the scene. Right. Yes. So the better way to fix it is on the tech end, and just she looks and sounds like pop and yeah. now it's it, it's fixed but yeah, then that little undercuts like that. but then that undercuts the next story yeah so it's kind of because mm. destiny does have the upgrade suit so the the voice is different well, they just aired them in the wrong order yeah yeah i really liked all of the delegate stuff and what this wife was trying to do and all of all of that i pretty much liked all of the story except for the doom elements of it yeah yeah same. That's really sad because it's Doom's day. It's her story. <laughs> and I was, I don't know why I set myself up for this. I was really looking forward to getting a, okay, so we've been going through and it's 24 hours. So it's an hour to slot. And now we've got a big finished box set that we're going to finally see some of these loose threads pulled together into this and, and and something in the back of my head said, "Don't don't go there. <laughs> You're setting yourself up. You're not going to get that." And I was like, "Oh no, they'll do it. I, I I trust Big Finish. They'll pull it off." And then this one ended, and I went, "Well, so much for that, because it is so much just a mission for Doom. In fact, it's played off. We don't have any indication of that kind of constant ticking clock." Yeah. Yeah. That has been present throughout the rest of the run. No, in this, we we, we don't get the, the the sense of impending doom. We don't get any mentions of death or you know that she's on a, a time crunch. Uh, in fact, there's no real mention of the overall arcing story at all until she gets into the supercomputer, right? And then all of a sudden reveals her plan of oh well, I figured I could use this to find the doctor. Oh, okay. I mean, <laughs> just. And at that point, it sort of feels like it's tacked on. Tacked on, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Now, I, I I struggled with that one because I, I at first I was upset, and because it's like you you don't necessarily want to ruin the reveal, but at the same time, it would have been nice to have been let in on it that she has more than a more more of a plan than just go kill a guy. Right. Exactly. You know, there's a and reason why she chose this mission. Exactly. And we didn't get to know that until. And it would have been point. weird for doom to explain the plan to herself. And so you would well, have she had have explained it to Terry. She's talking to Terry throughout this entire box set. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're going to bring Terry back into it, let's, let's give her somebody to explain things to, or, or, you know, just, I, I, I needed that moment. And then, so then when it finally showed up, it was like, well, okay. <laughs> and it just, it felt like it should have been a bigger bit than what it infinitely wound up being. But then of course it didn't wind up being anything anyway, because mom has to go in and confuse the computer and, mm -hmm. And then and what's what's, what's so ironic about it all also is the fact that this is such a near miss. She's looking for the first doctor and she is just before the Dalek master plan. Right. <laughs> they could have done so much more with that aspect of it to make it uh oh I've only got 24 hours but I'm 
too early in this in this time frame. Right. It's some. Oh, we could have bounced like, all through the twelve hours of Dalek Master Plan. That would have been really interesting <laughs> to continually to revisit up to that him. story. You know. But, <laughs> oh well. Well, let's move on to a date with destiny. A romantic dinner turns life-threatening for an unsuspecting human in 2007, but this time Doom has competition. And if she loses, then her last chance to find a doctor could be snatched away. Cue an action-packed chase through the streets of London. But has Doom met her match? I'll give this one a little done and on just because it was fun. It still suffers from pretty much all of the same things I complained about in the previous story that she's just kind of there. And this is one of those where doom feels very ineffectual Mm -hmm. and and not at the top of her game. And uh, very much compared to destiny, you're, you're just not as good an assassin. Right. Um, and when destiny's making her pitch to, uh, you know, Oh, we've got, that we're going to do a thing. We've got Brian the Ood and we've got so-and-so and we've got so-and-so and all these, and I'm thinking to myself, you don't need doom. She's, <laughs> she's everybody not on your that list. great. Yeah. Everybody on your list is better than, yeah. than, than what you've, you've done. And again, the, the, the ticking clock element of it was more destiny driven. Well, yeah. we've got to do something before Destiny shows up, and then Destiny would show up. But we don't resolve Destiny. We just move to the next location and wait mm-hmm. for Destiny to show up. Right. And then Destiny shows up, but we don't deal with Destiny. It, you know, it just kind of, it was that kind of thing throughout. But the character interactions between Doom and Jackie were fun, uh, and between Doom and Destiny were yeah. fun. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, that's the strong strongest point of this, is the the acting between those women was just phenomenal. I mean, it was, it was the, the chemistry that they had, I think really worked for this story and elevated it above those points that you pointed out as well. I mean, I, I, and, any more, anything that I listen to with Camilla, uh, Kuduri, I, I just absolutely love her as Jackie Tyler. <laughs> I always thought she was annoying in the series, but the more I hear her in audio stuff, I just love her. I think because, she's had a chance to develop the character. They've had a chance to play with the character and make her more than sort of that one dimensional, uh, mom figure that she was, you know, nagging and, and worried about Rose the whole time. Um, they've really been able to explore her character better. And I think that that, that makes this good too, because you, you get the Jackie you expect at the beginning of this, but you also get a Jackie that has, has grown in this as well and recognizes, you know, the, that, she's not so self-centered anymore. She does think about other people, the implications that things can have relating to other people. And so I really, really like that about her in this story. Yeah. They've they've really given her a lot more depth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They've pulled a sixth doctor and made her endearing. Yes. Yes. And and so it's like, now it's yeah. More Jackie. (laughs) Yep. Yep. (laughs) Things I never Never thought thought I would say. Well, what's frust- what's almost frustrating about this story is there are times where Doom is very competent, like near the end, and you know all the different ways she gets Jackie out of the scrape with Destiny, but then still somehow Destiny winds up getting the upper hand. It's so mm-hmm. inconsistent, even within the story, too, to keep, I guess, Doom from 
just running circles around destiny i don't i don't i don't that, know why that's just of... it Des- uh, doom's just one step ahead of destiny the whole time and i'm always I'm half thinking, a step almost yeah well and i'm thinking okay this is good this kind of feels in line with what they have built with the doom character in certain stories but then yeah it just kind of she, then she's a step behind at the end and it's like well wait a minute <laughs> that doesn't work <laughs> yeah It had a very um, gross point blank feel to it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I was very okay with that. <laughs> All right. Well, let's do the next one The Howling Wolves of Xanthir. A war of. A warring world of wolves <laughs> dooms <laughs> target. Iteration. <laughs> <laughs> Doom's target turns out to be the puppeteer of the warring Xan, a silent. But what if she's already completed her mission? How will she know? What if this wasn't even her mission in the first place? No time to waste. The countdown is on. Bum, bum, bum. Did you like this one? I, I got like really bored with this one. Really? And I, yeah, I found myself having to back up and listen to parts because I would zone out so badly because it just didn't feel like anything was... It wasn't even that nothing was happening. It's just there was no... There was always this urgency in it that really didn't feel like it was necessarily there, like it needed to be there in, in certain parts. And part of that's because they were, you know, encountering silence and then they would forget and they would be, you know, sent off into another direction when try, and, then, and then trying to figure out, wait, we were headed this way. Why are we going this way? And I just I, I, I just kept getting it just felt really mundane the whole time. And so I just I kept having to back up and listen to things again because I'd miss stuff because I just zone out on this. Hmm. Yeah, for me, this one was confusing, but not in a clever way. It was just seems disjointed mm-hmm. and confusing. And not in a way that congealed all together at the end that was like, oh, that was clever. I see what you guys did. It was just confusing to be confusing because they could use silence that wipe their memories. Yeah. yeah. I think it just, it definitely is not greater than the sum of its parts. But I really liked the parts. Uh, The idea of tackling the silence, which for me, it was the first time since the episode that uh, oh, that, that yeah, we've kind of come yeah. back to that so i was i was ready i was like oh cool yeah how are you gonna do that um and so i kind of bit on that i enjoyed the uh the, the wolf armies uh and and you know communicating via howl and yeah and how resonating the, the, the howl would resonate that. yeah yeah that was that neat. was all like that. that's very that's a clever cool. idea yeah and then to wind up turning around and using that as the solution to the problem that oh the howl can resonate at a certain frequency that will cancel out the silence. I was like, oh, okay, cool. So I give it full points for that. Glenn, you are not wrong. There was a lot of manufactured hurry up, mm-hmm. um, simply because oh I've got I've got to go I've got to get my mission done I've got to get my mission done. But then how long do we spend roaming around canyons? And if you only have an hour, and you've been dropped into a war zone, that seems you know, okay. How, that's how, that's not. <laughs> yeah. How many times have you have you forgotten how how long it's been? I mean, yeah. I mean, how long did we spend down in the hour. caverns? Mm-hmm. 
and and yet you know and, and how bad is the silence at this if he had to continually <laughs> keep redirecting them within the confines of that hour wait were the silence in this i forgot <laughs> i thought so but i, I don't remember <laughs> um so yeah there, there there was a lot of again the overall doom story arc suffered because of what feels like the writer wanted to do this kind of cool story and okay yeah this story in itself was cool but it doesn't necessarily then translate to the the bigger goings on well and it's it's one of those stories of i got a cool idea what if she has to go assassinate a silent and they're like, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> and didn't think about then, how it fit into the and, bigger picture of even sat down how she's trying said, to find the doctor. And then sat down and said, oh, wait, now i got to write this. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, you didn't Which, uh, you didn't reverse engineer the story for the needs of right. the overall narrative. You just had a cool idea and then had to fit the narrative around it. <laughs> yeah, and Big Finish has done Silence before, and they've done a really good job in the unit series. They have? So the fact that they, yeah. <laughs> and. Forgotten. You haven't even listened to it. No, I haven't. (laughs) (laughs) The fact that they've done it in the past and then did it again and didn't do as good of a job is a little bit frustrating Mm. as well. Mm. And the fact that she didn't even kill him. Yeah, right. Sick the two wolves on him. (laughs) It wasn't even her kill. This isn't the first time. This isn't the first time she's done that, though. Taking credit for another person's kill. That goes back to the inconsistency of Doom. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, it's got to be me that does it. Uh, well, not this time. Right. Well, which is it, lady? Come <laughs> on. I think there could have been a lot more to this story that they could have done a better job on. Yeah. All in all, I think... I it... feel that way with this whole box set. Was there, <laughs> there was a lot of really great ideas that were left on the table that didn't get fleshed yeah. out. They should have done more of these stories with the Doctor instead of Doom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this uh, this particular story, I think, is just kind of forgettable. <laughs> should we move You've been on? Waiting all week. <laughs> should we move on <laughs> to like, the crowd? Like you wrote that for your review, and then just grinned and sat back and went, "I can't wait to spring that on the guys." <laughs> it wasn't memorable. <laughs> The crowd. Follow the crowd. That's what they say, right? In this case, however, devastation, murder, and destruction follow this particular crowd. Doom's next target. But amongst them, an unfamiliar face with a familiar name. Could this be Doom's salvation? (sighs) This is a good story. If it wasn't couched in the Doomsday arc. Yeah. It's clever. It's we get Eighth Doctor and Charlie back together again. I mean, obviously this and is it set. Fits this in is their time yeah. Frame. This is set during their timeline before. Um, but the the, the type, idea the type of story fits within their run. Right, right. And the idea of these, you know, beings that feed off of death and despair, and, and that's not that that hasn't been done before, but it just it was really kind of clever to the point that they've become addicts and, 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 you know, gluttonous. And so that they end up having to cause situations because they've visited all these scenes and or these tragic scenes and absorbed. It was just such a clever story. And the doctor, 
and Charlie, you know, setting traps and trying to work this out and then doom coming in and kind of bumbling things up and, and taking out the, you know, <laughs> just throwing a, a wrench in the spanner or a spanner in the works, whatever. Um, and it just, a great story but then ultimately where it falls down is this she's Doom. she like reverts back to type in this but a type that she didn't she, she didn't need to be because we had the very first story where she's had some compassion for this you know for her target and all of this and then she she's done that before but here she's very, she's back to very cold and callous and she's been trying to find the doctor. She knows the doctor. I mean, she's obviously read the best hits of the doctor because through this entire story arc, she knows a lot of things about the, the doctor. So she's well versed in his past and his history. So she should know when she encounters a version, how the, 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 the doctor's going to act and react and, she doesn't believe that it's him at first, and so I was kind of okay with that, her still kind of taking her own route with things. But once she believes that it's him, she's looking for this guy who has the all the answers for her. This may not be the right incarnation, but if he has all the answers for her, she should trust that any incarnation she runs into is going to have a better idea how to do things than she does. And that's what <laughs> is so frustrating about this, because we've come from the I, i'm, I'm going to jump ahead here because i think it just needs to be said this story arc the best thing about it is that it's linear i love the fact that they they try to do these cross media uh things i think they're a lot of fun they can get expensive i understand the, the complaints for that but with this one sean i think you said it earlier they just needed they needed a script writer for this that was on board with everything and just mm -hmm. kept things consistent because she needed to start out as the best assassin in the universe and she needed to be cold and callous and calculating and then by the time we get to this story she should have grown as a person and been more sympathetic and been because this is our hero and this is the gal we have followed through this entire story arc and she just doesn't grow as a character in the right way. And so it's increasingly frustrating to put her in, couch her into this what could have been a really good story with a really good doctor companion pairing. And it just it it just completely goes off the rails at the end because of her actions. And that what is very frustrating about this one. Well, and the the other thing is it's obvious that one hand doesn't know what the other hand is doing because the way doom is written in this, it's like she hadn't come across a doctor mm -hmm. at all previously in this entire run. Right. Where we just in that book, she was with two of them. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Granted, she didn't get a chance to talk to them about what she wanted to talk to them about. And she gets more time this time, but still it's like she had never actually met him before. Right. And it was so inconsistent from what we've had in the past. There's that word again, inconsistency. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and, and Doom is guilty of a lot of inconsistency in this one. Um, her attack at the beginning where she wipes out seven or eight of, of the crowd um, is almost gleefully violent. I mean, she really comes across as mass murderer, you know, extraordinaire. Yeah, not, it's not, not even a... assassin. It's more like psychotic. 
Yeah. I mean, it, it, it was, it was not a targeted blast. It was just mowing people down and, <laughs> and, 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 and she, she was very upbeat about the whole thing. Um, for which the doctor quite rightly admonishes her. And it's like, well, that's not the doom that we've kind of come to expect throughout parts of this is that she, she's a little more concerned with collateral damage and she's a little more of a, a surgical scalpel, uh, even in the, the, the James Bond episode where she's it. blowing up planets, uh, you know, it, it wasn't quite to that extent. Right. But then she turns around and meets up with the doctor and we get a whole nother round of guess who, where she's refusing to believe that this guy is the doctor. And then when presented with the evidence that he is the doctor, she reverts to retail Karen mm-hmm. and retail. Karen is that woman who comes in and yells at you and then asks for your help. Mm-hmm. I can't believe you did this. Everything's wrong. I need you to fix this. Well, if you need me to fix this, you better change your tone a little bit because I'm not inclined (laughs) to help you right now. And again, the doctor quite rightly kind of refuses to help her. I think the doctor was also a little inconsistent for as good as the pairing of the eighth doctor and, and Charlotte Pollard is. And I will always and forever love to listen to Paul McGann and India Fisher. They just, there was something off that didn't quite gel about McGann's doctor in this one. And normally, I, you guys know me, normally I'm always, even in a bad story, I'm saying, oh, but Paul McGann was good. And, and this time it was like, yeah, there was something that didn't quite jive. And I don't know what it was, but his, his relationship with, with Charlie was there, but the tone was off. And... He was a, a very stern doctor through the whole thing, not just dealing with doom, but kind of in general. Uh, and the, the the kind of playful humor that I come to associate with the eighth doctor was very missing. And doom really took advantage of that because <laughs> she just kept twisting that knife. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he would get frustrated with her and then I would get frustrated with her. It was just like, oh my God, can we, can we just let death have her at this point? I mean, (laughs) she, she, she managed to do a complete 180 and become unsympathetic as the hero. Yep. You're absolutely right. Mm -hmm. So that was frustrating. Um, but I loved the idea of the crowd. Um, as you guys have said, it's been done before, but it was, uh, it was a well done, Mm -hmm. uh, variation of it and um i honestly would have liked a little bit more of the historical exploration yeah than what we got because we spent so much time focusing on doom instead and how sad is that when we're talking about wow i wish it was more of a historical That reverend guy that they were talking about. I recognize the name, so I was like, oh, that could have actually been an interesting, you know, story. Yeah. Just, again, there were parts of it that were like, okay, cool. And then the rest of it was just, yeah. All right. Let's get to the resolution. (laughs) (laughs) Well, speaking of resolution... So we move on to the uh, last piece of this whole puzzle, which is the uh, 
James Goss um, written. Um, what was the name? Out of time. Out of time. I was going to say one more time, and that no, that's not right. <laughs> out of time. <laughs> the final hour, the final mission. Doomsday is drawing to an end, and the Doctor is nowhere in sight. Besides death, what is waiting awaiting her back on New Venice? Bump bump. <laughs> the doctor's nowhere in sight. They told her where to go to find the doctor. <laughs> well, he's he's not in sight right away. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. Um, this felt like such a huge letdown <laughs> for yeah. me. I just when you're building a a, a multi-story event. You really kind of need to knock it out of the park at the end, and unfortunately, I think this fizzles. I liked the idea that the reason why she's dying is because she's set up this paradox by being sent to assassinate her former self. The problem is she doesn't remember that it happened until it's happening, which I, I suppose that's one of those time being rewritten, wibbly, wobbly things. But it just, it seemed kind of like a, hmm, this will be clever. And then it's not so clever because then the fix is to go back and shoot her shooting herself, which that's going to fix the paradox. And then she doesn't even bigger Yeah, well then she doesn't even she doesn't even kill herself in that situation. She just wounds herself so that she can't kill her previous self, which I suppose is a clever fix for making sure that nobody dies. She but, doesn't die. Yeah. But now that again she's failed her last hit. And <laughs> 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 and her first hit, if you want to be honest, because now she doesn't do it. But I just uh, and then if that's not enough, I kept. I thought, okay, this is sort of a clever resol- resolution. I uh, that makes sense, and and death isn't literal. It's this, you know, <laughs> it's this paradox creature. Yeah, exactly. And then it's Terry that set her up this whole time to and wipe Terry out. Has taken out the rest. Yeah, of the to lesser wipe order out of the rest. Of, so does that mean we just saw Brian? Brian does that mean Brian's that dead ago? now? <laughs> It's just, and what about um, what's her name in the last story we just talked about? Well, Destiny's she she's not Destiny. In the, she's not obviously in, she she's not in the order yeah. anymore. So she was trying to. I guess well, maybe that's Brian's it. not she, either. I guess since she's already actively recruited him. So she yeah, yeah much he was on the list. We yeah. don't actually. Know <laughs> oh, they, oh, that's went. true. That's true. Oh, I forgot about that one when they were talking about the acronym Lesser Order <laughs> Oberon. The acronym is Lou. <laughs> like the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, this just this this silly thing fizzled out and that just was a huge that was a huge letdown for this entire event for me because while we've had some good things in there, we had the the book that we all really liked. Um I think the comic stories we gave ra- relatively favorable uh uh reviews on those, but it just I don't know, this this whole thing. I'll let you guys talk about one more or one last or the last what was well, it called? Out of time. Out of time. 
Well, and the th- it doesn't give you... We've never gotten good context as to why, you know, she saw death and it was chasing her, but we never really got good context on why it was really only 24 hours until her death, you know, and it seemed mm-hmm. like she, throughout the entire thing, she knew that. Mm-hmm. And I kind of expected a get more of an explanation somewhere along the lines of why she... Th- thought it was only 24 hours until she died and all sorts of other things and we don't get any of that here That's i a thought good it was point. implied at the beginning that. that the the vortex um manipulator was she could only there was something about the 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 use of the vortex manipulator the charge or whatever that she could only escape for 24 hours that that was it was thin, but it was at the very beginning of this whole mess. <laughs> I guess I missed that. Because that was kind of the, the setup for it. But And it just it just felt like everything she'd gone through trying to get here, and it was just going literally going back to the same place where it started. Well, Solved yeah, the I, problem. I, I didn't uh, mind I didn't mind the bookend thing. That was kind of a oh aha back to the beginning kind of thing. I, I thought that was actually kind of cool. It just made the rest of the stories irrelevant. Well, yeah, that's true. That's very true. <laughs> I, guess, I guess that's my point of, yeah, well, good. why didn't she think of doing that in the first place? Yeah, that is a good point. About the time the wolves came along, I had a nasty suspicion in the pit of my stomach that we were dealing with a bootstrap paradox. That mm. the whole story was going to wind up hinging on, well, you've got to go back and undo this. And then it did. And I was like, ah. And if there's one thing who loves, it's a let's go back into the beginning and fix the paradox. They, they, they just, we've done it so many times. And it's it's not a cute or new idea anymore, guys. I'm a little tired of it. Having said that, I liked most of the way this one came out. Uh, I, I like the fact that she returns to New Venice and it's a, a burned down rubbleless, you know, husk of a, a, an empire. There's nothing left. Um, I liked the first doctor and his interactions with her. And then when the reveal came, it was like, ah, okay. And I'd kind of harbored a suspicion through the last half of this run that maybe Terry was the one that was responsible but I kept putting it out of my mind because Terry, especially once she was given voice, just kind of became this uh, amalgamation of uh, Janine Melnitz and uh, <laughs> Roz from Monsters Inc. Roz from Monsters Inc. Yeah. and uh, uh, the uh, Carlton the Doorman. I mean, she she just kind of had this very likable dry sardonic nature to her um so i'll be honest that 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 you know put me off the 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 scent there um but then when it was revealed to be terry i was like aha um but the motivation for terry okay that's great you have assassinated or gotten rid of the entire lesser order of oberon and now you're going to take over that's cool that's the ultimate power grab i love it Except we've already had it done. And you'd think that you would have utilized 
Doom a little better. Maybe to go ahead and knock off some of those people. Or maybe that would have put her on the trail. I, I, I don't know. I think had they not talked about, you know, Brian wiping out the previous Lesser Order of Orberon for the new owners, it would have been a much cleverer idea. But oh, maybe just Terry's like... the new owner. Maybe he did it for Terry. Well, they should have referenced that then. Right, exactly. <laughs> this is this seems like it's the third new owner. Yeah. <laughs> I, I imagine in this particular uh, uh, environment of work, there's probably always a uh, power vacuum. <laughs> yeah. Probably always a now hiring sign out for <laughs> And new ownership. Under new ownership. Under, under, new, under new management. management. <laughs> yeah. But the, the, the biggest... Did you guys ever watch Tripping the Rift? The kind of irreverent mm-hmm. animated uh, series that was on Sci-Fi oh, Channel back yes, in the day? Yes, yes. Okay. So, I think it might have been the Christmas special. There's one episode of Tripping the Rift that's... It was kind of the pinnacle of TV. They take their ship and they go back in time to the Big Bang. And the Big Bang is such a momentous tourist attraction that there's a little viewing platform with the little uh you know look through the uh the telescopes at the at the event and all this kind of stuff so they land and they get out and they witness the big bang and they're like wow that's so great and then they go to leave and somebody says we should do it again so they come back but their ship is already parked on the viewing platform so they have to move over and they inadvertently land on god and they crush god beneath the landing gear. So now suddenly there is no Big Bang. What follows is these idiots' attempts to undo that. (laughs) Over and over and over, they continually go back to stop themselves from going back. And it gets increasingly convoluted. I mean, we're talking Rick and Morty levels of insanity Uh, and and multiple times where they have to kill themselves before they land the ship to prevent that moment from happening. But then that ship crashes into the first ship that's there, which I mean, it just goes on and on and on with paradox on top of paradox on top of paradox on top of paradox. And it's brilliantly funny. And I highly recommend you search out this one episode and then don't bother with the rest of the series because the rest of it just wasn't very good. And I'll be honest, I don't remember how it actually winds up getting fixed. I just know that they do fix it. So when the first doctor looks at Doom and says, well, it's obvious, you've got to go back in time and shoot yourself before you shoot yourself, that's all I could think of was, (laughs) oh, we're stealing this now. (laughs) And... Whatever mild momentum I was willing to give it just went, no, I'm done. I just, uh, not with a bang, but a whimper. The whole thing grinds to a halt and just became very, no, not so much. And it's so frustrating because I think there's so much potential here. The story could have been great, but I think Mark, or is it James Goss? Yeah, James Goss. Yeah. I think James Goss needed to take a bigger hand in it, which yeah. I don't I don't know. I don't know what he rubber stamped, you know, along the way. 
but I really think he, he it, it could have been instead of a big multimedia event, maybe it could have been three books or a, a couple of, or maybe three books with a couple of audios, a beginning, middle and end and rearrange some of the sequencing to just really make it work. And I, I think if they had done that, if they had the whole story and then broken it up over these multimedias, uh, then maybe it would have done a little better. Yeah. It's it's sad because it uh, what it does better than uh, Time Lord Victorious is it tells a linear story, so it's a lot easier to follow. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. Time Lord Victorious still ends up being better, even though it was convoluted because because it's can be. Time Lord Victorious can because it can jump around so much, it worked on a on a on a level that you could tell better stories without having them to needing them to interconnect as much as as important as it was for this one to interconnect, which didn't. So, I think that's. I, I'd like to see them do this again, but I, I'm with you. I think that there needs to be one big outline of what the story is, and and not just what the story is from point A to point B, but how the character evolves, how the character grows. This, this character should have started out. I think I said this before, but should have started out cold and callous and then become more sympathetic at the end and decided that, you know, assassination game was not for her anymore. And unfortunately, because it's so uneven and she's, they, they, they go out of their way in this, box set that we just listened to from Big Finish to tell us how she's the best assassin in the in the universe and she's not. <laughs> she's very inept. If you are the best assassin in the universe, how do you even act take yeah. it? So. I think what I'd like to have seen too is, you know, her first couple of hits. I think she she should have taken her first couple of hits and then realized that she needs a better way to resolve things rather than death each time, you know, killing off somebody each time. And they, they kind of tried to do that where there were certain situations where her, her target actually wasn't a physical being. And there was, you know, they, they kind of skirted around that, but I think it, she, I think it would have been more interesting to find, have this character find ways to get around having to make the hit. You know, yeah. clever. I think it would have been more interesting to have her not be an assassin. Well, that's probably true too, but be- because it becomes a point of, okay, yeah, I get she's taking these hits to try to find the doctor because she's getting to skip through time, but she has a vortex manipulator. Just go skip through time. <laughs> yeah. Which is more important, finding the doctor or making these hits? Right. <laughs> it's it, it. She keeps waffling back and forth between which is her higher priority. And it's just like, come on, make a decision. Is your life more important or is keeping your reputation more important? And maybe if they had explored that a little bit more somewhere along the lines, it would have made a little interesting subplot, but it was just allowed it to be inconsistent throughout the entire thing. And maybe we needed Doom established as a character before sticking her in this situation. Yeah, yeah. If, if we were aware of Doom and had gotten a couple of run-of-the-mill assassin stories, uh, you know... Yeah, don't chase Masterson's assassin. Right. Well, yeah. Right. Or, or, or even River Song. 
What if River yeah. Song was suddenly stuck in this situation where she had 24 hours to, you know, it just the 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 entire enterprise is inverted because they 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 wanted to do another Time Lord Victorious. Somebody hit upon the word Doomsday and the play that they could do with that, and then built from there is really what it feels like. And it just the 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 whole pyramid falls apart when you look at it in that regards. It's just you can't stand it on its point. It's got to come from the other direction. You've got to have the character and the story to follow. And if it's not an interesting character or it's an inconsistent character, then it doesn't matter what story you put them in because it's not going to work. I'm being very harsh, and I don't mean to, but I, I, I feel like the BBC needs some help with their multimedia events when it comes to Doctor Who. Yeah. Call us, guys. We'll fix this for you. <laughs> <laughs> or just put Big Finish in charge of it, because they seem to have a better grasp on this most of the time anyways. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, see, I would say that, except for... <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see how Once once in Future ends. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, I'll give you that one. We'll, we'll, we'll see where we go from there. <laughs> We're waiting to see how that, <laughs> how that, how that resolves. All I can say at this point, the best thing about Doomsday is that it's over. I I hate to be that, but yeah, yeah I'm just kind of yeah, like, yeah. eh. I think if Death yeah had been had been a literal, literal incarnation, it would have made sense why. I, I'm trying to wrap my brain around why that stupid. Just trying to wrap my brain around why. She she had twenty four hours to find the doctor. They don't really explain that really well. At least not well enough. Yeah. So that way we can do twenty four parts, Glenn. Well, yeah. <laughs> Hi, I'm Rupert Booth. I am known as Paul Ferry. And my name is Barry Williams. Together we host Time Ram. Time Ram's a cruel mistress. It's a random number generator. That also. We roll a number from 1 to 13, and that's our Doctor. Then 1 to 300 for the story, and then we ram them together. Even if it doesn't make sense. Cruel, I tell you. Time round. Putting the wrong Doctors in the wrong stories, so you don't have to. You're listening to Travelling the Vortex. Alright, Sean, what do we got coming it's up inverted. on the... What do we got coming up on the schedule? Well, coming up next on the schedule, we are going to take a look at some of the previous anniversaries, uh, anniversary specials through the years, specifically 30 years in the TARDIS, which I'm so looking forward to, along with uh, the new uh, podcast audio drama, Doctor Who Redacted Series 2. We'll be covering that. And then uh, some fun and games as we uh, will be tackling the Cubicle 7 role-playing game. And uh, thanks very much to our friends at Cubicle 7 for helping to set that up for us. And uh, hopefully that will uh, spawn into a bigger thing that you all will get privy to later, because I'm not going to announce that yet. Uh, We'll do some more uh, 60th anniversary tie-in stuff with uh, Once in Future The Union, and that is the end of that Aside one, right? Aside from a couple.
CODA. There'll be a CODA that comes out in November of next year. Yeah, which I I had a theory on that, but then somebody blew that theory up when I got an explanation. But I'll talk about that when we review that. Okay. Uh, And then we'll also do the next uh, bit of uh, uh, Once Upon a Time Lord from uh, Titan Comics. Mm -hmm. And more to come. More to come. And, of course, if you get any value out of this podcast, why not consider putting some value back into it? You can do that by becoming a patron of our podcast. Uh, click on that Patreon link on our website, travelingvortex.com, and that'll take you to Patreon, and you can sign up, and that'll unlock more audios and specials that uh, we put up there for you to listen to, especially for our Patreon uh, members. And if you could just give a dollar a month, that would help us keep the lights on here at Traveling the Vortex. Of course, uh, consider giving us a five-star review wherever you subscribe to this podcast, and uh, we'll, we may read it out on the show. Let us know that you did it. We'll read out whatever you said. Uh, and that bumps us up in ratings and recommendations, of course, and then you can find us on the various forms of social media. Anything else we need to touch on before we close this one? If not, until next time, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. Thanks for listening. You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied. Direction point! Direction point! A Doctor Who Podcast Network.